All right, amen. We can clap for that. Uh, thanks to your generosity, we're continuing to be able to help uh, in the midst of the crisis. And uh, it's really been so many stories of uh, churches coming out of this, uh, people coming to faith left and right because uh, there's some Christians who are staying strong, opening up their churches and their homes uh, to really be a blessing. And so I just want to not only thank you, but to remind you to continually be in prayer. Uh, last Thursday, we had a prayer meeting here at Restore for uh, Ukraine and for the organization we partner with called SALT. Uh, and so just want to remind you to continue to keep them on the forefront of your mind as you pray and as the Bible tells us to remember our brothers and sisters across the world who are in great suffering. Uh, and just to know that the Lord is using your generosity to continue to bless the people of Ukraine uh, to support the churches and to do the work the Lord has called us to do. And so as they said, a light in dark places, both here and everywhere. This is the goal of what we want to be at City Light. Uh, and as I've said a thousand times, the healthier we are here, the more we're able to bless the world around us. And so as we pursue being healthy, godly, holy, unified, showing love, prioritizing the things that matter, uh, as we do that, we can utilize our energy, resources, time uh, to be able to bless the world around us because uh, we're not sitting in here fighting with one another, all right? So uh, that's how churches negate their impact. And I uh, just want to constantly put in front of us that we can bless the world as we pursue being a godly church that is unified, which we are. Uh, and I want to always connect those two things, our ability to impact the world, the health of our local church here at City Light, uh, and the Lord is using it mightily. So be encouraged. Uh, I've been very encouraged by what God is doing in that way. Uh, so I want to say welcome. If you have a Connect card on your seat, which you should, and you're new here, please fill that out. We would love to get connected with you, to give you a gift at the end of the service, to help you on your spiritual journey, wherever you may be in that in your life. I want to remind you of a couple important things coming up. First is the conference, which we've been talking about a few weeks now, June 3rd and 4th, the night of June 3rd, the day of June 4th. There will actually be uh, child care the morning of June 4th if you want to come and bring your children. Uh, this is very important in terms of not only training us to think well about how to bring heaven to earth in the midst of the world we live in, but also in terms of maybe some friends and family, maybe some of you are here today that are questioning the reality of Christianity or not sure uh, whether it's good for the world. Uh, I want to show you how the church is designed to really bless the world and how it is God's means to actually solve many of the problems that we face as a society. And so whether it's you or whether you want to invite friends or family, uh, this would be a great time to get trained up, all right? Every summer we do a conference, and the goal is to train you to navigate the world that you live in and to also provide an opportunity for some friends and family or whoever it might be in your life to come understand Christianity from a good perspective so that they can learn more about Jesus. So that's June 3rd and 4th. Uh, and then our Celebrate Week, which is our missional summer week, June 19th through the 25th. Mark your calendars. We always ask you to take a day off of work if you can. We're going to have block parties during the day in the city, and then we'll have sports camp at night. And so for those of you who have children, bring them to sports camp, sign them up, bring anybody you know to sports camp. It's going to be a great opportunity. Uh, we had several kids profess faith last year, uh, one of them being my own, which was fun. And so uh, it's really great to do that together. So that is June 19th through the 25th. And if you can, take some time off, be with us. We're really going to saturate our community with the love of Jesus and just really go all after it during that week. And so make sure to join us for Celebrate Week. Today we're in 1 Thessalonians 4, and so go ahead and open your Bible to 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 13. 
Let's go. All right. We're going to be continuing our more and more series. And as we discuss the will of God for our lives in a a variety of different ways, uh, today is the will of God for our salvation. And so we're going to jump into verse 13. We're actually going to read all the way to 5 verse 9. Sorry, 5 verse 11. So we're going to read a little bit here, starting in verse 13. It says, But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others who do, who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. Okay, stick with me, all right? We're gonna explain all this. Verse 16, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, with the sound of a trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Now, concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you are not in the darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief, for you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness, so then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. Now here's the really blessed sentence. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up. And here's the phrase, just as you are doing, which is basically, as we've been talking about, more and more. Doing more is not doing new things, but doing the right things over and over and over and over and over again. And so a quick little note here, uh, as I was preparing this and got close to finished, it seemed like verses one through seven needed their own sermon, okay? So I just pulled those out. Once again, I didn't want to try to preach two sermons in one. So we're going to do that next week, most of it. Um, so we're not going to skip over it, but it just required significant thought and, uh, and some time. So I wanted to give it its proper due. So we're going to do most of that next week, and we're going to cover kind of the beginning and the end. Uh, one of the things I noticed here is that after each main section, Paul closes his thought. He does this twice by saying, encourage one another with these words. So here's some truths about when Jesus is coming back. What does that look like? What are you supposed to do with that? Encourage one another. And then here's a way you should live your life, and here's what God has destined for you in terms of your salvation. What are you supposed to do with that? Well, encourage one another. And so the more I kept thinking about this, I thought, well, there's a lot of different theological, practical, a lot of different things happening here. But the emphasis from Paul is that it would end up in your encouragement. So I kept thinking, well, the simple idea of the message this morning is that you would be encouraged, that you would be encouraged in facing your fears, that you would be encouraged in the ups and downs of life, that you would be encouraged in navigating the current life that you are given, that you would be encouraged as you deal with your disappointments, that you would be encouraged 
and hopefully get some clarity in your confusions. This seems to be Paul's goal is to provide some encouragement, which I think we'd all agree we could really use some encouragement these days. You don't get a lot of encouragement uh, in the world around you. You certainly aren't encouraged by the news or the things that are happening uh, in the midst of a society that is absolutely seeming to be falling apart, where there's division everywhere, where there's shootings and awful, awful things happening, where there's horrific wars breaking out, and there's not only the constant bad news of the world around you, but your own life that you're living that has plenty of bad news that is sufficient for you, the struggles of your own life and your own mind and your own body and your own family, I think we could all use a little encouragement. And what I want you to see, not only from this passage today, but from how the Bible talks and how specifically Paul talks, is every time he writes letters and he does things to, to clarify truths, it is always unto the end of some practical support, of encouragement, of helping us navigate the life that we're in. The Bible is not only hugely theological and full of these big truths, but it's eminently practical, and it's something that we need to navigate the life that we have every day. And so as you read throughout the Bible, I want you to be looking for these things. Paul's intent is to help you not only know the truth, but use it in a way that navigates your everyday normal life. And this is true of all of the Bible. If you took enough time to think it through, to talk about it with other people, to research and to study. Uh, and so this is what we're going to look at this morning. I also just want to uh, put a little word of encouragement out there as well for those of you who are here. Uh, maybe you are really far from Christ, or maybe you don't know Christ at all. Uh, maybe you came wandering in here because you found it online. Maybe your life is falling apart. Maybe a friend or family member brought you. I don't know. Maybe you're watching it online because you're scared to walk into church. I don't know. Hi to all of you. But whatever it is, I, I want you to hear from the scriptures today how God wants to encourage you by showing you his hope and his desire for your life. I want you to hear that, okay? I know you hear a lot of things from Christians, and you hear a lot of things about things we believe, and you hear a lot of things that are probably true and not true. And what I just want you to understand this morning, it is God's heart, it is God's passion, it is God's desire that you would be encouraged through the good news of Jesus this morning. That is Christianity, okay? That you would be encouraged by receiving the hope that comes through Jesus. This is God's heart for you, and I hope that you would at least open your mind and heart to what God might want to say, even if you've been running away from him, even if you're living a life you know you ought not to live, or even if you haven't even decided to follow him in the first place. Uh, God is here, and it is his heart to draw you back in and to encourage you this morning. So I'm going to give you three different truths to hopefully encourage your heart as we walk through this. The first is this. Our final destination is salvation. Our final destination is salvation. Verse five, five verse, uh, chapter 5, verse 9 says, For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. It is God's ultimate end goal, his end game, God's end game is that you would be saved. God's ultimate end of all of this leading into whatever it is, your whole life coming together at a particular end is that everything would lead unto your salvation, that your whole life and all of its troubles and ups and downs would go all the way unto this place of you being saved, of you being uh, helped, of you being whole, of you being happy forever. This is God's heart, and this is your destiny in Christ Jesus. Now, the reason why we are not destined for wrath through Christ 
is because of what Christ has done. Because the Bible tells us in Ephesians 2 that every human being is by nature a child of wrath. We deserve the wrath of God because of our sin. This is the greatest problem with humanity is that we deserve the wrath of God because of our sin. The wrath of God is and should be the scariest thing we could ever consider. And the Bible teaches us that the wrath of God is a certainty. It is coming. It is something that you cannot avoid. So I don't know if this was true for you when you were a kid, but it's like uh, when you get in trouble with mom at home and she says, well, just wait till dad comes home, you know? I'm going to tell that, and we'll just let him handle it when he gets home. You're like, no, 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 let's deal with it now. Let's deal with it now. I don't want to do that. Uh, the wrath is coming, you know, and you know it, and there's really nothing you can do to avoid it, okay? Now, you want to take that feeling times a million to say, okay, I really have a problem with God because of my sin, and God must deal with my sin by his wrath, and this is the greatest problem of my existence, And so when I begin to recognize that this is my greatest problem, I'm very thankful that God has provided a solution, that God doesn't want my life to ultimately end up under his wrath. It is not God's heart or desire to punish me. It is God's heart and desire to show love and mercy and grace. But he can only do this one way. This says, through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The only way to receive the salvation that you need and to be away from the wrath of God that is coming, there's one solution, and it is through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died and rose again to take care of your sin. This is the good news of the gospel that you have sin. We talked about this on Easter there's really, you, you work on any other word you'd like to use. There's something wrong with the world, something's broken within you. We all know it, and you can try to avoid it, or you can face it and understand that there's something wrong. And I'm going to tell you, it's something wrong. It's called sin. That's what's wrong with the world. Sin has broken the world. It's broken you. It's broken me. It's broken everything around us. And as you begin to understand God's revelation, this is, okay, that makes sense. Now I have to deal with my own sin. And then God shows up and says, I'll deal with your sin for you. By dying on the cross, and I will offer you salvation so that you don't have to end up in my wrath. This is the good news that God wants to encourage everybody with this morning. It might be the gospel that you've heard a hundred million times, and I pray that it would come fresh to you that you were by nature a child of wrath, and you deserved, and me deserved hell, separated from God, suffering the wrath of God forever. But God, in his mercy, sent Jesus, opened our eyes to hear the gospel, and has changed our eternity so that we would not be destined for wrath, but that so we would ultimately end up in happiness and wholeness and holiness forever with Jesus. This is the good news of the gospel. Some of you might need to receive that for the very first time today. Now, this not only is good news for later, it's also good news for now because it gives you hope. So if you are in Christ, then no matter how much suffering you're facing, you are not destined to suffer. You are destined to be happy forever. You could suffer as a ton for 90 years, but that would end, the, the final destination would be happy for billions and billions of years for eternity. And so now you begin to get some perspective to say, I'm not destined for suffering. I have to deal with my sin, but I'm not destined to always sin. 
There will come a time when I don't have to fight sin in my life. There will come a time when I am perfectly holy and it takes no effort. There will come a time when I don't do anything wrong to anyone or to myself. I may be struggling now, but I am not destined to struggle forever. I may be in pain now, but I'm not destined to be in pain forever. I may be afraid now, but I'm not destined to be afraid forever. The end game for me in Christ is salvation. That's where this is all headed to. And that's what I will enjoy for eternity. Therefore, it gives me some perspective and some hope to manage life crises, to manage disappointments, to manage my sin struggles, to manage my suffering, because those are not my destiny. But through Christ, my destiny is something way beyond what I could ever imagine or believe hardly. It's an incredible reality of being with Jesus forever. Now, I want to show you in verse 8, what's necessary to help hold on to this. So he says in verse eight, having put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. Okay, so the hope of salvation. So this is wonderfully good news, not only for my eternity, but for my every day. But then I struggle to live out my days, or even as you're listening now, you're like, okay, yeah, I've heard that good news, and it's not affecting your heart. There's something problematic going on. There's something that we struggle with because it should have this dramatic effect on our life. And this is why he says, you not only have to understand your salvation, you have to put on the helmet of the hope of salvation because the devil's attempts is to lie and to bring despair to your thoughts and your mind, and you must protect yourself with the hope that comes from your salvation so that you can manage your everyday life so that you can do so with the truth of God so the question isn't just are you understanding or do you know about your salvation but are you wearing the helmet of the hope of your salvation to protect your thought life from despair it is the devil's main weapon to lie it is his thing he is called the father of lies this is what he does It is his primary attack is to lie to you. And therefore, you are going to come victim to that unless you are constantly being protected with the helmet of salvation, which is your hope, which simply means I consider these things all the time. I remember these things. I memorize verses about these things. I encourage someone else to remember these things, okay? The helmet of salvation is the practice of always remembering my salvation, that in the midst of my suffering, my end is not suffering. And so I remember that, and I put on the helmet, and the devil says, be despair. God's not with you. He's not for you. This is going to always be this way. And I put on the helmet and I say, no, it's not. It will not always be this way. God has not destined me to suffer. It will not always be this way. God has not destined me to struggle, but God has destined me for salvation. But I must put on the helmet. And going through life without the helmet of salvation is like playing in the NFL without an actual helmet. It leaves your brain and your mind open to harm. Okay, imagine if you saw all those guys flying out there and one of them didn't have his helmet on and he was gleefully just running around. But you know, you're like, that guy is gonna get concussed in five seconds, all right? This is not gonna work out very well for him. And now you're saying, I'm walking around managing all the attacks, all these big 300-pound linebackers, but their lies coming at me and I'm doing it without the helmet of salvation and I think I can manage my day without constantly remembering what God has done for me? Like the gospel's old news, it was good when I received it. It's good when pastor talks about it, but I don't need it this morning. Yeah, you do. 
You need it every single second. It's putting on the helmet of salvation to protect your mind so that you would not end up in despair. God's desire is that you would live in hope. He wants you to be hopeful, and he's given you the tools you need to be hopeful. So that when you're struggling with despair or anxiety or fear or any of these things, it's not that they magically go away, but you begin to practice putting on the helmet of salvation and to protect yourself from those kinds of thoughts. That the salvation that God is giving you and has given you would be the greatest thing as opposed to the suffering or the struggles you may be encountering now. So you put on the helmet of salvation. The second thing he says here is the faith and the breastplate of faith and love. So I'm not going to do a whole thing on this. If you just mark in Ephesians 6, some of you probably already know this, about the armor of God, verses 10 through 20. He's going to give you a kind of a, even a uh, more in-detail idea of what does it look like to, to, battle, to be battle-ready as a Christian, you know, to armor up for your days. Uh, but I think he uses these two particularly here in regards to salvation because the, the helmet of salvation protects your mind and the breastplate of faith and love protects your heart. And these are the two things that come under attack. To say, I need to protect my mind with thoughts of truth as opposed to receiving lies that bring despair. And I need to protect my heart from other loves. So I put on the breastplate of faith and love, which I think is talking even more about faith in God's love. Not my faith in my love, but the faith I put in who God is and his love. So that as I endure and as I do anything, my heart doesn't become downtrodden because I remember that though I may be facing something difficult, the consistent thing is that God's love is steadfast. How do I know that? Well, because he died and rose again for me and secured my salvation. Therefore, the gospel is good news this morning for your current struggles because it is the love of God that is meditated upon that will give you the ability to continue through. You need the helmet of salvation to protect your thoughts. You need the breastplate of faith and love to protect your heart. And maybe the reason why you can hear the gospel and not be thankful is because you're not protecting your mind and you're not protecting your heart. This old news, it doesn't do what it has done for you before. And it's because you've kind of let it go. And you're not protecting how you think and you're not protecting how you feel and what you love. This is the setup right? You need these things so that you can enjoy this truth. Now, now, some of us don't have these things at all. And once again, the encouragement is that Jesus wants you to have these things. So through Jesus and through the gospel, in the midst of an, inst- an unstable world, right, you can now receive a mind that is stable and strong through the hope of the helmet of salvation. So you, without Christ, your mind is constantly under attack, and you have no means by which to prevent the attack because it's primarily supernatural. And so now you wonder why you're always struggling with your mental, why you're always struggling with your thought life, why these thoughts are coming in despair, and why the, why the overwhelmness of the world seems to always get at you. And I'm here to encourage you to say there is a solution to that that you haven't tried yet it's through Jesus you cannot armor up to handle the world with self-help books or nice positive thinking you need the armor of God you need Jesus you need to put your faith and your trust in him this is the encouragement God wants you to have hope as opposed to walking in despair but you got to trust God to get what God wants to give you And so I just want to encourage you this morning 
That if you want protection, not only obviously for your eternity, which is primary, but if you want these wonderful things that God offers to manage our day-to-day lives, you only can get them through Jesus. Your mind is open to attack and your heart is open to attack, but through Jesus, you can put on the helmet of salvation and the breastplate of faith and love. This is true for all of us, and I wonder how many times that we neglect this practice and then we find ourselves in situations or struggles that we didn't even need to be in. So the offer's on the table. Through Jesus, you can have salvation, and through Jesus, you can put on hope for your mind, and you can protect the love in your heart. And this is what God is offering you to encourage you this morning. So number two. So the first encouragement is, uh, their final destination is salvation. The second encouragement is this. In our present situation, we have reason for celebration. Okay, in our present situation, we have reason for celebration. Look in verse, chapter four, verse 13. He says, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring him, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. So look what he says. Do not grieve as others do who have no hope. Meaning that in your present situation and particularly in your present grief, you have access to something helpful that the world doesn't have access to. Therefore, though you grieve and you grieve seriously, and these things are totally what the Bible would expect, you don't do it like the world does. You do it as someone who is crying while wearing the hope of the helmet of salvation while holding the breastplate of faith and love to protect your heart, to say, I grieve and I grieve as I should, but I don't do so as the world does because I have something the world doesn't have, which is hope, because my final destination is salvation. This is the encouragement that in my present situation now, I can celebrate, I can be encouraged, I can handle crises. Now, how does he do this? Verse four, so what's the difference? You you do not grieve as others do who have no hope. And Ephesians 2 says the same thing, that when people don't respond to Jesus, they live without hope in the world. So the reason why some of you are hopeless is because you're Jesus-less. And if you wanna get hope, you need to get Jesus. That's how this works. You see what I'm saying? This is partly what the whole conference is about. You can't have the the kingdom without the king. You can't have peace without the prince of peace. You can't have hope without Jesus. You can't have the things that you need apart from the giver of those things, who's Jesus. This is what God is offering to you this morning. But we have the opportunity to grieve as those who have hope. This is to be uniquely Christian is to suffer well and to grieve well because I have something that the world doesn't have. And for me to manage my grief and my sorrow and for me to manage the struggles of my life with the same medications that the world does is to deny the sufficiency of who Jesus is for me. And it is to negate the testimony to the world that I do not follow Jesus because everything goes well for me in life when I do. But I follow Jesus because regardless of how things go, he's good enough for me. So suffering, as horrible as it is, 
becomes an opportunity to give witness to the reality of who Jesus is because it's all fine to follow Jesus when life goes well because everybody likes for life to go well and there's nothing uniquely Christian about being happy when life goes well. But to have access to hope in the middle of struggle and sorrow is available only to those who know Jesus. This is your not only privilege, but it is your opportunity to be a witness. Now, why is this so secure? Verse 14, for since we believe that Jesus died and rose again. So why do we not grieve as others who have no hope? Why do we grieve and suffer differently than them? Because we believe that Jesus died and rose again. How do I handle my suffering today? Because I believe Jesus died and rose again. How do I manage the crisis of tomorrow? Because I believe Jesus died and rose again. See, the good news of the basic of the gospel is what I need today to manage my current crisis in 2022. It is the very foundation upon which I live my life. Because Jesus died and rose again, it's a big dot, dot, dot. Everything follows from that. Everything else comes after that. Because Jesus died and rose again, I know that I, when I die, will rise again with him. Because Jesus died and rose again, I know that my sin will not overcome me, but he has already overcome my sin. Because Jesus died and rose again, I can have hope in the midst of my trial today. Because Jesus died and rose again, I don't have to be afraid of the wrath of God. Because Jesus died again, I don't even have to be afraid to die. Because Jesus died and rose again, I can have peace with God. Because Jesus died and rose again, I can have stability in my mind. Because Jesus died and rose again, I can have joy in my heart. Because Jesus died and rose again, I can have wisdom for my decisions. Because Jesus died and rose again, dot, 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 everything comes from that. For since we believe the thing our four-year-olds, five-year-olds, six-year-olds, we hope believe. For since we believe the very basic thing about Christianity, it is the very thing we hold on to. You don't move forward to say, well, that's what kids can understand. Now I'm going to talk about something, you know, only seminarians get. That's not what he does. Because you understand all these mysteries. No, no, no. Because you believe the same thing a four-year-old can believe, you can manage your suffering. Because Jesus died and rose again. Now, this is important for us because as we've been discussing, these basic truths can fall away unless we put on the hope of the helmet of salvation and the breastplate of faith and love to keep our hearts and our minds alive to these truths. So that's the second thing. In my present situation, I have reason for celebration. Therefore, I can be encouraged. In the midst of my suffering, I can be encouraged. In the midst of my trials, I can be encouraged. In the midst of my disappointments, I can be encouraged. In the midst of my frustrations, I can be encouraged. In the midst of my relational strife, I can be encouraged. In the midst of my anxieties today, I can be encouraged. In the midst of my fears, I can be encouraged. This is what God wants to give you today is some encouragement. But it comes because of the death and resurrection of Jesus. So that's number two. The final one, number three, is this. The final word of encouragement. Jesus is coming back one day, and that changes everything about today. Okay, Jesus is coming back one day, and that changes everything about today. 
If you ask my kids, one of the main things they know about Jesus, they'll always tell you that he's coming on a white horse. You know, it's their thing. And I think it's so cool that, that he used the Bible to your advantage, okay? Like, whoa, is, Jesus is coming on a white horse with a sword on his thigh, you know? He's going to be riding on the clouds on a horse, you know? This is crazy, all right? And so this is something that we always kind of discuss. Say, well, Jesus is going to come back, and he's going to come back with authority, and he's going to come back, he's going to change everything. Jesus is going to come back. And so Jesus is coming back one day, and that changes everything about today, okay? Here's the difference we need to make. You probably understand, if you've been following Jesus, that he's coming back. This is like Christianity 101. Christ died and rose again. He's coming back one day to get, to get his people. This is the truth. But it's not affecting your today. Jesus is coming back. Okay, cool. Now i got to, you know, manage my life. i got to deal with these things. But I want you to see how Jesus coming back one day changes everything about today, and next week we'll be able to give a whole message to kind of fleshing that out practically, but today is, is an encouragement, because there's going to be a challenge in this too, but I want you to stay encouraged today, okay? So I'm going to encourage you today, I'm going to challenge you next week, all right? This is the plan, this is how it's going. So verse 16, he says, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first, and we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. The first thing I want you to notice about this is it says, for the Lord himself. God has sent prophets and ambassadors, and now he has his people, and uh, through the Spirit who trust in Christ, there are many mediators by which the Lord reveals himself to the world. But now it says, for the Lord himself will come. No more, no more pastors talking about Jesus. No more just you know, Christians needing to share the gospel. No, no more mediators for understanding and explaining these things. That, that time will pass and the Lord himself will come. What a wonderful, wonderful thing. This is personal to God. I want you to be encouraged you know, I, I remember one day when I, I, I had to leave one of my kids with someone. This was when they were little. I think it was Josiah. I think he was probably two or something, real little. And I remember being at Chick-fil-A, and I had to leave him with someone, and I had to go get and then come back. So I was just going to be gone like 10 minutes, but, you know, it's a very traumatic experience for the child. They don't understand. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave, and I'm coming right back, but I have to go real fast. And I eventually left my phone, and I said, here, keep my phone. You know this is important to me, all right? Uh, I'm going to come back, okay? You're going to have, I'm going to leave you something, okay? I'm going to come back, okay? This is my phone. You have my phone. But I'm going to come back. I'm going to come back. So I'm not sending someone else to come back to get you. I'm not, there's no, I'm going to come back. And so I gave him my phone, and he hung out there for a little bit. And then eventually he came back. And I remember something he said to me was like, I, I knew you would come. I knew you would come. And I want you to have that picture now in your mind to say, this is the encouragement God wants to give you today as you struggle with your fears and anxieties and the stresses of life and the persecution that comes, whatever it might be, when the Lord has deposited something to you called the Holy Spirit as a signal and sign to you that you are his, and he's made a promise that I'm going to come back and get you myself. God is personal to you. He's going to come back and get you himself. He's not going to send anyone else to do it. He's not going to send anyone else to help. He's not going to 
text or call someone to come to it. No, 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 no. God's going to come back for you himself. He's going to get you himself. He's going to secure you himself. He's going to provide for you himself. He's going to bring you to be with him himself. This is the truth that is happening. And the Lord has given you, so to speak, his phone. He has given you the word of God. He has given you the Holy Spirit as these deposits to say, you are mine. I care for you. I'm coming back for you. Just hold tight. Just hold tight and be hopeful because I haven't left for good. I'm coming back. So how much does this change about your everyday life? Now, I want to qualify a couple quick things, and then we're going to close, just so that you're not confused. The first is that it says the dead in Christ will rise first. Now, just want to clarify from the Bible that to be dead in Christ is to be alive in Christ. So there's no such thing as like soul sleep. You're not just waiting, okay? Uh, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 8, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. This is why in Philippians 1.23, Paul was struggling about whether he wanted to stay or die and go because he said it's much better to be with the Lord. It's far better, he said. So his understanding was as soon as I die, I'm with the Lord. And that sounds really great. I'm tired of all this trash on earth. You know, like I can't do this no more. Let me just go be with him. And then he comes to the conclusion I need to stay because it'll be helpful to you. But his desire was, his understanding was when I die, I am consciously with the Lord. 2 Corinthians 5.8 says, man, when as soon as you die, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So to be dead in Christ is for your body to be physically dead, but for you to be alive with Jesus, okay? This is what heaven is for right now, is that you would be alive with Jesus there. So the dead in Christ rise first. Uh, this could be the time that 1 Corinthians 15 discusses where an actual body matches for, you know? So there's a, there's a time coming when you will receive another physical body that's glorious and perfect, uh, and this is maybe what it's talking about here. So the dead in Christ rise, they receive what has been promised to them, uh, and then we do as well. We, we rise and meet with them. So that's the first thing. So dead in Christ is to be alive in Christ. There is no soul sleep. There is no in-between time. Uh, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Also, to be absent from the body is to have to deal with the Lord. So there's no purgatory. There's no in-between. So you need to get your life right now, today, okay? Because as soon as you meet the Lord, all your chances are over. Okay? As soon as you die, that's it. All your chances that you had to make it right with the Lord are gone. So you got to get it right now, which is why the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Right now is the time to receive the encouragement God wants to give you. The second thing, uh, especially to those of you who are always rapture ready or to those of you who have... Uh, who have watched all the Left Behind series, you know, Kirk Cameron, and, and you're really into that. Maybe you grew up with some of that stuff. This is what it's talking about here, verse 17, or this is what some people assume it's talking about. It says, we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with the clouds in the Lord, with the Lord to meet them in there, and so we'll always be with the Lord. So uh, this ain't like Theology Lesson 101 today, but I just want to point this out. So verse 17 is where we get the rapture concept from. Now, obviously, there's a lot of uh, disagreement, different perspectives on what does this mean and how does it play out and what is, whatever, 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 all this stuff, okay? A lot of Christians love to sit around and argue about what's, what's going to happen at the end. Uh, the only thing I know is Jesus coming back. I don't care about anything else. It don't matter to me. It don't matter when, don't matter how, I just he coming back. I'm just going to do what I need to do and just wait till he shows up, right? This is my, that's all I know. That's all I know to do. So I have, I have stopped discussing or arguing about these things. But, uh, but I want you just to clearly, I want to have a list of point of clarification. So the rapture idea comes from this, which is a, a decent thought. I don't necessarily agree with that, but it's a, it's a decent thought. The other one that I, I want you just to put with you, because I think this is cool and probably more, more right. The phrase meet the Lord, so rapture comes from caught up, okay? You get taken away. That's, that's the word there. 
That's where we get the word for rapture. Now, the phrase meet the Lord is actually a word that they use for dignitaries so that when someone was coming from outside the city, an envoy would go meet them outside of the city and then bring them back into the city. So the idea was you meet them on the outside and you come back to the inside. And so that uses the same word here for meet the Lord in the air, which now many people take to mean we meet the Lord and then come back down with him. And then he establishes his rule and his reign on earth. And so this is what it could look like to say, Jesus comes back, I meet the Lord in the air, I come back down with him, and the Lord establishes his rule and his reign ultimately for all time on the earth. Now, I just want to throw that out there so that you have something to think about and not confuse. That is not the main point, all right? So here's what you need to understand. The big picture is way more important than the details, okay? This is don't miss the forest for the trees. Here are the most basic important facts about the end times. Number one, Jesus will come back. That's the number one most important fact about the end times. Number two, Jesus will come back in authority, okay? No more, no more nothing. Just, it'll be done. He'll come back. He's going to judge. He's going to take care of everything. It's a wrap, okay? When Jesus comes back, that's it, okay? That's it. Human history, peace out. It's over. He comes back. He handles all his business. We move forward in life, okay? And into heaven, right? Into the new heavens and new earth. So that's number one, Jesus comes back. Number two, he comes back with authority. Boom, he takes care of business. Uh, number three, everyone who's been in Christ for all of time will be joined together. This is what you know for sure. So every dead saint, everybody who's ever trusted in Jesus, who everybody who's ever trusted in God for all of time will be joined together and then we will all live with Jesus forever. Okay, those are the four things that matter. Nothing else matters, okay? And so if you wanna sit around and talk about it, that's fine. I, I took a whole class on these kind of things in the seminary. It's great to understand, but nobody knows, nobody knows. And so, but we know these four things, okay? Jesus is coming back. When he comes back, he's gonna handle his business, okay? He's coming back with authority. Everybody that's ever trusted Jesus will be joined together, one big happy family, and it'll stay that way forever, okay? That's it, okay? Those are the four things you need to understand, and that will encourage your heart, all right? So, so it's good to discuss things, uh, but that, that's all you really need to know, all right? So here's the, here's the final thing I want you to see. Verse 17 from chapter four says this. So we will always be with the Lord. This is your final encouragement this morning, is that we will not always be in suffering. We will not always be in pain. We will not always be anxious, fearful, and afraid. We will not always be with a broken heart. We will not always be with a broken body. We will not always be with chronic pain. We will not always be with disappointment. We will not always be with depression. We will not always be with mental health struggles. We will not always be in strained relationships. We will not always be struggling with regret. We will not always be lonely. We will not always be sad. We will not always be fearful of death, but we will always be with the Lord. The only thing that is going to last forever for you is your relationship and the bliss that comes from knowing the Lord. So whatever you're struggling with now is temporary. And the thing that will endure forever is that you will always be with Jesus. And so be encouraged this morning. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would take these truths and that you would encourage our hearts. That you would do supernaturally uh, what I or nobody else can do. That you would take the word of God and that you would use it to draw sinners and people who don't know you to you. I pray that anybody within the sound of my voice who doesn't know you would choose to trust and follow you this morning. And I pray, Lord, for those of 
who are in your family, who those who do know you, God, I pray that you would provide real encouragement deep within our hearts, that these truths would bless us, that these truths would lead us, that these truths would help us as we navigate the ups and downs of life. Thank you for your word and your promises. Thank you that you're coming back again. We look forward to your return. Listen, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Why don't you stand? Let's respond to the Lord.